Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Greg and I are back with another wonderful English conversation for you all to enjoy. And the reason we do these is to give you an opportunity for some nice native English speaker listening practice. As you notice, native English speakers are going to be doing things like connected speech. We're going to be doing different things with our intonation and our inflection patterns that you know, you need to be aware of when you're in English speaking contexts. And so this is one of the reasons we do these to give you that opportunity to improve your listening skills, your comprehension skills, your pronunciation, learning new vocab and new expressions as well. And today we're going to dive into a question that we get asked quite a bit here at Advanced English. So the question is, what are some of the differences between U.S. English, American English, and British English? And there are a couple of varieties within British English, but we're going to speak about them globally, I think. As Americans, we're not British, obviously, so we are going to give you our perspective. We've been there. We've been to the U.K. and so I actually lived in Hong Kong while it was a British colony. So I have a little bit of direct life experience in a British colony. So that's perfect. (laughs) So we're going to jump right into this conversation. So grab a warm beverage and let's get into it. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's break it into a few different categories. The first being the accent, Mm. which I think is the most stark contrast at the get-go. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most obvious ones. So first of all, when we're talking about uh, the British accent, let's keep in mind that there are a wide range of accents depending on where you are uh, in the UK, right? So different regions are going to have different uh, ways of saying things, and that includes the accent. Um, there's quite a bit of diversity, in fact. Definitely. Uh, and once you hear the differences, it's quite obvious. The one that is most commonly taught uh, is, do you know, do you remember the name? I believe it's received pronunciation, RP. Some people, I think, refer to it as Queen's English. So if you've watched the popular Netflix series, The Crown, you'll notice there's a specific type of English. I think that's even more uh, specific to the royal family. But if you think about people who are maybe in the media, so maybe a broadcast journalist, they might speak with received pronunciation. Of course, as Greg said, there's so many varietals 
And so if you're in a part of the UK that doesn't use received pronunciation broadly, then it might be that dialect. So that's something to keep in mind. And much like the UK, in, in the United States, we have that variety as well. If you go to the South, you're going to hear certain pronunciation. If you go to the West, you're going to hear certain pronunciation. If you're in the Northeast, you'll hear a certain pronunciation. So what's our accent? Our accent, uh, I always say I have no accent, which of course is <laughs> yeah. not the correct thing to say, but it doesn't feel like I have an accent. Right, right. So our accent is actually uh, Northeastern. Um, Northeastern, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's just specific to people who are from the Northeast in the United States. But back to the UK. So that's the received pronunciation that we're dealing with. Yeah, generally. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's, it is remarkable how different they, the, the different accents could sound. It almost sounds like it's from a different country. Absolutely. Another very common one is called Cockney. Yes. Cockney English. Yeah. Um, and it, you hear the two. It's, but in any event, um, I find the received English to be one of the most beautiful forms of English. Yes, it's very easy on the ears. It's very delicate, refined. It immediately sounds classy. It sounds you know, assertive, but also very elegant. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's definitely nice in the ears. And it has this funny effect, at least on Americans, of making the person sound very smart and educated. So if someone's speaking in received English, you tend to want to agree with them, whatever it is they're saying. That's true. So I thought one interesting comparison between you see a transformation happening in one of the most popular plays and films called My Fair Lady, and Audrey Hepburn, if you know who, if you know, you know. So Audrey Hepburn is one of my favorite actresses. I think many of you out there as well, because she's an international icon. And what's really interesting is that if you watch that film, you'll see someone using the Cockney accent all the way after a transformation into the received pronunciation. And she works with a linguist and a person who teaches her phonology and phonetics. And they go through a series of different practice drills. And it's this whole progression. I really recommend that film, especially on this topic here. So you get some exposure to those different types of accents. A British accent. Yeah, it's a true classic. It's, it's, it's a really good one. Yeah. All right. So that's really in terms of accent. But... If you go to the UK, I think you'll start, as you're immersed in the culture there, there's so many subcultures, as we know, and they're all geographically, you know, it's geographically based as well, right? So you'll start to get more accustomed to understanding those different dialects. The other thing you can do, if you're curious, is check out some films. Um, I believe Billy Elliot, do you remember that film? Oh, yeah. That was a very strong accent um, as well, right? So I remember having some difficulty. Even though I'm a native English speaker, I had to put subtitles. Even though they were speaking in English, it was a type of English that I wasn't very familiar with at the time. And this was, you know, several years ago, but it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, right? Even even uh, native English speakers speakers like us, yeah. you know, we sometimes need uh, the subtitles if the accent's heavy enough. Yeah, and, and that's perfectly fine. So don't think that, oh, as native English speakers, all native English speakers understand other native English speakers of English <laughs> with different accents like Australian, New Zealand, you know, um, 
global English, which South is African. different, right? South African, UK, and all the varieties within that. I'm holding back yeah. really hard from trying to demonstrate these. I'm terrible with accents, but I love speaking in them. So that's the thing, right? That You bring up an interesting point there, Greg, because if it's an education, uh, if there's a reason to do it, and it's, it's supposed to be educational, um, then, you know, that's one thing. But a lot of people take offense um, in the in the U.S., let's say I don't know how it is in the U.K., but in the U.S., if you try to replicate an accent, they might think that you're making fun. Mm. So it's a very delicate balance of how do you model a certain pronunciation or accent without offending. We'll be right back after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, often I think when people, the reason that happens Yeah is I think when people try and uh, imitate another accent, they tend to exaggerate it. Yeah. Um, and they might also adapt some of the stereotypical mannerisms. Right, or, or nonverbal vocabulary, which, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get to as well. Yeah. Um, and as a result, it ends up being potentially offensive. Um, a lot of times it isn't, yeah. and it's just for fun. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly not intended to be. Yeah. But it is, you're right, something to be mindful of when, um, when you know, sampling other accents. Absolutely. So what I always like to say is read the room. So if you're in, you know, if you're with your spouse or your partner or your best friend and you're just trying out, because it's fun to try out different ways of speaking um, in, you know, the privacy and comfort of your own home, that's, you know, that's one thing. If you're doing it with the intention of maybe making fun, that's a completely different thing. That's a big no-no in my book. What about you? Yeah, of again, course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> just want to make sure you're yeah. following Your objective should never be offensive, but it's more so about just being aware that what you think might not be offensive yes. could be offensive to other people. And if that were the case, then you apologize profusely. You say, that was not my intention. Um, because, you know, when you're trying out different accents, let's say you are an Eng- native, not, let's say you're a non-native English speaker, an ESL learner. And you want to know which accent to use. Maybe you want to try out what feels good on you, right? You want to know what you want to know the sensations of using an American accent or a received pronunciation or a Manchester accent or a Cockney accent, right? It really comes down to preference. And the only way to know that is to try. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is uh, a great way to practice it is with that uh, a person who has that accent. So if you come to that person, you know, with, with an accent that you want to try and replicate um, and say, hey, I'm really interested in trying to speak the way you do, um, could, you, could you, you know, help me w- walk through a few words to, to sort of parse out the, distant, the differences? Yes. That's a great way to approach it, right, in a sort of open-minded and educational context. Um, and I personally, I love hearing, you know, British speakers trying to emulate the American accent because it's fun for me to hear the things that I don't even notice. When yeah. someone's trying to rep- replicate my accent, um, they'll, they'll say things in ways that I didn't realize I was actually saying them as well. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed and I love helping other people speak the way I do if that's of interest to them. 
Um, and so that's something you can consider if you wanted to try out uh, one of these accents. What I really like to do um, if we are watching a film or a series and the lead or the protagonist, the main character, is actually someone from the UK, like a British actor or actress, but they replicate an American accent. And sometimes you, if you're not paying attention, you won't notice because they'll do it so beautifully, so well. But then every once in a while, you'll notice maybe something a little bit different. And I always love trying to figure out, oh, who's like, you know, from the U.S. and who's from the um, U.K. when they're doing it, because sometimes you really can't tell, but other times you can. And a giveaway, in my opinion, is that when there's a British actor and they're trying to replicate the American accent, sometimes it comes out too beautiful, too clear, like they're doing too well of a job. It's too perfect. Whereas you know, when we're speaking in American English, we have a lot of connected speech happening. Like it's not as articulate always. So that's something to keep in mind. All right, moving on to um, vocabulary and some words and some expression differences. So two come to mind. Um, One is candy and sweets. Great. I was going to say before we go into specifics, let's talk a little bigger picture. Bigger picture. Good idea. Um, So what I found is that uh, British English tends to be a little more indirect, mm. right? So um, the words that they use tend to be a little less literal, um, uh, perhaps a little less, um, for lack of a better word, aggressive, Okay. right? There's just a more subtle touch to uh, the English vocabulary than there is um, in in American vocabulary. So bigger picture, that that's sort of what I observed living in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you had any observations in that regard. Um, I think I would agree with you. I mean, I've, I've traveled to the UK several times. Um, and I think, yeah, there's like the delicate sort of finesse to it. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of specific vocab, so you were saying candy and sweets. Yeah, that's something that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, sweets. That When you said sweets, that immediately brought me back to my childhood Halloween in Hong Kong. Okay. Because, yeah, all my British friends, you know, said, let's go get some sweets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one difference. Um, the other one is, like, pram and stroller. A pram is a stroller. Mm-hmm. So in the U.S. we say stroller. In the U.K. they say pram. Yeah. Um, I get I get I get hit on a, a few of these all the time. So yeah. um, I always love saying a car park. Uh, a car park. Yeah, there's a car park. There's a car park That's over funny. there. Yeah. Where in the U.S. it's a parking lot. Right. Um, the the Brits tend to see say um, aircon. Turn on the aircon. Aircon. Well, we say air conditioner or the air AC. AC in the U.S. is AC. Um, let's see, medicine. Is medicine really? Uh, medicine. Yeah, medicine. Often medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Aluminum, aluminium. Aluminium. So you bring up another good point. So in English, and okay, so in English with okay, U.S. English and U.K. English, there are a couple of words where the intonation and this emphasis is going to be different. For mm. example, we in America say garage, right, where you park your car. A car park, parking lot is what we would say in the U.S. <laughs> But, you know, car park is understood as well. Car park. And then in the UK, they say garage. That's right. Yeah. Right? So that's one. See, that's funny. I didn't even notice. You're right. We were talking about different words, and I was actually talking about different 
pronunciation pronunciations of the same That's word. That's right. Yeah. So there's yeah. two different things going on. You have the words that are different but mean the same thing. So the sweets and candy example, the pram and the stroller example. And then you have these situations where the word is the same, spelled the same, but the intonation pronunciation will be different. So another mm. one is massage. In the U.S. we say massage. And then can you guess what they say in the U.K.? Massage. 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 Yeah. Massage. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a little bit like more of a French. Uh, so a massage, right, you'd say in French. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so, bet you're right about that. Yeah, there might be some influence there. And then there's another one, um, advertisement. 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 Yeah, yeah. So yeah. those are pronunciations, and then there are different words. At the end of the day, though, typically speaking, as you know, as an English language learner yourself, you'll know the specific vocab that's used doesn't necessarily matter that much as long as you have the context. That's right. Right? If you have the context, you can kind of piece together what's being said. Yeah. Um, and you kind of know what they're saying regardless. But there's, there's never uh, a harm in asking if you're confused uh, about, you know, a specific word that was used. That's right. And in terms of slang, like, I don't have any context with slang, British slang. Yeah, you? I, I could try, but uh, I would just make a fool of myself. <laughs> so Yeah, so that's, you know, <laughs> can't help Ask you there. Ask a Brit. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. But in any event, slang is the type of language you would use when you're, you know, out with friends. It's not in, it's not a, um, the register of language that you would use in a formal setting or an education context. It's, you know, it's argo. It's casual and even more so than casual. It's like super relaxed. And what's also interesting is that some uh, words that are quite British um, have been incorporated into American culture as well. Yes. One that I come across all the time now is people love to say cheers uh, when they're yeah. like, as a, as a, um, as a sign off, a sign off. Right? I see that a lot in emails. Emails. They'll yeah. say cheers. Cheers. Or if you're hanging up the phone, you say cheers before hanging up the phone. That's definitely a British thing. It's, it's, it is. it's not a, um, it's not an American thing, but Americans like to use it now. Yeah. And I think the Americans who use it kind of feel classy doing it. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. We have that word, but it means something different. It's when you raise a glass as a toast or you right. clink glass, exactly. glasses together. But cheers could be just by or, yeah, it's on the way out of a conversation yep. yeah, or signing off an email. Exactly. Um, in terms of culture, I think you can speak to this one quite well with the humor aspect of culture. Yeah, so one part of it was what I mentioned before, that sort of subtlety, that um, yeah. indirectness, right? Um, Americans are famous or notorious uh, mm -hmm. for being, notorious is the bad version of famous, by yeah. the way. Yeah, the other word for that is infamous. Infamous. So famous, and then if you put an I-N as a prefix, infamous. Infamous. Meaning or notorious. notorious. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Americans are notorious for being very direct. Yeah, overt. Overt, right? right? Like we yeah. like rub it in your face kind of thing. Like, okay, this yeah. is what is happening. Or, or, or there's a lack of... of um, was diplomacy, right? Yeah. That we just, we're not going to mince our words. We're going to say exactly what's on our <laughs> minds. Um, whereas the Brits, in my experience, tend to be a little more reserved with their opinion. You know, instead of Americans saying, okay, let me, let me get the British version. The British version, um, uh, if someone says something, the response might be, huh, interesting. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. in America, they might say, huh? 
That sounds stupid. Right. So, you know, we don't shy away from showing emotions most of the time. Of course, everyone is different. But generally speaking, as a people, um, as a culture, collective whole, you know, you'll find a lot of um, situations where people in the U.S. are very expressive with their emotions and they'll, you know, say it out loud and be direct about it. Whereas in the U.K., exactly, what we call that a stiff upper lip. Right? Having a stiff upper lip. Well, that's another good... That's another um, one. Yeah, that's a good one. So stiff upper lip is another important one, which is about a more so um, emotional Reserving expression. your emotions. Uh, right? Yeah. And, and being able to articulate uh, the way you feel. Um, and even the U.S. has some, some trouble with it. I think everywhere in the yeah. world, they're, they're struggling. They struggle with this. But the ability to articulate the way you feel, whether you're happy, you're sad, you're anxious, right? right? Frustrated. Right. Yeah. The stiff upper lip... Um, is basically indicating, or, or it alludes to the um, importance of not revealing the way you feel right. in order to appear more calm, professional, yeah. um, and collected Steady. and stable yeah. as a human being. Yeah. And the stiff upper lip specifically is referring to a lip that wavers when you're sort of about to cry, yeah. right? The stiff upper lip says, you know, don't cry, yeah. um, you know, lock down your emotions, uh, and behave like an adult. And uh, so that is that is something that uh, is traditionally yeah. associated with, with the British sort of culture. It's like the keep calm and carry on, and there's so many different yeah. versions of that. Soldier You'll, on. Yeah, soldier on. Don't show your emotions. And, you know, other cultures have that too. I would mm-hmm. say Japan is one of them, right, where yeah. you don't necessarily show all your emotions. In the U.S., most of the time we do show how we're feeling. <laughs> we might be a little more emotive. Emotive, yeah. yeah. That's and, true. Uh, so that's an interesting yeah. observation. Yeah. Um, and then with humor. So you, there are a lot of... Oh, yeah. yeah I, so so I find humor. British, British yeah. humor to be hilarious. <laughs> um, it's pretty dry. Yeah. I'm trying to think about how to describe yeah. dry humor. Uh, dry humor can be sparse, right? So you have to kind of really um, pay attention to what's being said. Um, they, they are also phenomenal, phenomenal uh, satirists, right? They're very good with satire. Satire. Um, they, uh, oh, they, they are also very uh, self-deprecating. Right, um, so let's define that. So self, self-deprecating means basically uh, insulting yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, making yourself seem like the fool. And so it's, it's the opposite of bragging or yeah, boasting, it's, right? it's, it's, a, it's actually a form of humility. Yeah. Um, and I think it's actually a very healthy type of humor mm-hmm. um, because it does show that you're willing to, you know, not, you don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's terrific. It's a great way to, um, you know, observe things that are frustrating, um, particularly societal things that are frustrating um, in a way that's also, um, you know, expressing humility. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's so um, some popular. There's a fo- very popular series in the U.S. that was based on a successful series in the U.K. Prior to that, The Office, right? The Office, one yeah. of the most uh, popular shows ever ever made. Yeah, yeah, so it was well received in the U.S., which was I think uh, surprising to the producers um, and the showrunners of that show in the U.S. context because it's more of the it skews more on the side of British humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, at the end of the day, they're masters of the language, right? And so a lot of their humor has to do with little plays on words. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, 
clever. Is if, if if there was one way to, for me to describe British humor, it's clever. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is also quite a British word. Yeah. And then the <laughs> last one that we're not going to spend too much time on is the spelling. So you'll notice in the U.S. that we'll use O-R if we're writing color. And if they're writing color in the U.K., it's O-U-R, mm-hmm. color. Or what's another one? Um, can you think of anything? You probably know out there. Um, yeah, I feel like um, it's, it's funny. I humor is humor. one. Yeah. Well, no, humor. humor. No, we write, we, write, we write that the, the British way, I guess. Mm. But any, in any event, you'll see, you know, in a lot of a lot of cases, there's an an added U, whereas in the U.S. we remove the U and we just put the O. So color and color, for example. Is there one with E too? I think sometimes you get an E. The point is they're little 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 nuances. changes, yeah. yeah. But most of the time, the pronunciation is not that well. The pronunciation is different, but the intonation and the emphasis will be most of the time the same. Yeah. Um, in some cases, you'll get the advertisement and advertisement situation. But most of the time, in my experience, I've been able to have a conversation with friends I have in the UK and, you know, follow them just fine. Yeah, for the most part, I find where that I, come, I run into that issue is if I'm typing something, the spell checker, yeah. if it's using British English, it might, you know, uh, have an issue with the way I write, write something uh, versus if it's in American English. You know, you can always change that setting uh, on, on your operating system, but... But that's where yeah. you might encounter it. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you're going to do that, you have to be consistent. You can't spell one thing with yes. the UK uh, pronunciation. Don't mix and match. Yeah, and then you can't spell another thing with the American because then you're just going to have wrong spelling because someone's going to say, okay, is this British or is this... That's right. You? Yeah, okay, so you have to <laughs> decide. But um, yeah, so that's kind of an overview. Again, we're from the United States of America, so I think you know there's a lot more that we could probably talk about if we were British in that sense. We should really do this with a British yeah, person. Yeah, we should get, um, comment below. If there's any British language YouTubers out there um, with received pronunciation or otherwise, let us know. Maybe, I would love to do one, honestly, with Caroline Gervin, my favorite fitness uh, fitness lady. She has the Northern Ireland accent. So that's part of the UK, but that's a different accent completely, right? So that would be really fun. But anyway, that's um, that's it for this conversation. Let us know what you think in the comments. Share it with friends. Be sure that you're subscribed and you're following. And if you leave us a nice review, that always makes a huge difference. It brightens our day because it tells us that you're enjoying the content to keep it coming. And we get a sense of, you know, what types of conversations you like, what types of lessons you love, and all that wonderful, all that jazz, as we say us. So we're going to see you in another one very, very soon. Bye for now.